It's good to be with you guys again. God is good. Amen. <laughs> God is good. So we're still figuring out our roots and spending some time in Genesis, continuing to battle through first and second and third chapters of Genesis. And this morning, or actually last week, uh, actually two weeks ago, I guess last week's Father's Day message, two weeks ago, I uh, began talking about humanity, the creation of humanity, and, and how we were created in God's image. And uh, I want to spend a couple of, two or three more weeks at least on trying to figure out who we are, humanity, because it's kind of a big deal, because it's us, right? You know, and we need to understand how God has created us and why he's created us and, and uh, what we've been created for. And so uh, last week, again, two weeks ago, was about the image of God. But this week, I want to zero in on kind of our purpose, you know, we have uh, in our world, this is a big deal, right? I mean, when we, God has made us this way, I think, you know, right? When at some point in our life, usually around the teen years, maybe into our early 20s, we begin to ask these questions like, you know, why, why am I here? You know, what is life all about? What's, what's my purpose here? What am I supposed to do? What is the goal of life? These kind of questions. And, and our world has all kinds of answers, right? Uh, our world has all kinds of ways for us to be able to try to answer that. A lot of times it looks like, you know, accomplishments. You know, we've got to do something great. You know, we've got to accomplish something that people know, or at least I know, like, wow, that was a, that was a really big deal, right? Uh, that really happened. That really was something that was impactful. Uh, that's the other side. It's something that's impactful in the world, not just in my life, but in, in other people's lives, or, or maybe even fame, right? You know, to be known, right? This is what my life is about. It's making sure that as many people in the world know who I am, know my name, know about me in some way, or, or sometimes it's just things like legacy, right? That, well, you know, what, are, what am I going to be known for, right? Yeah, uh, the Pitroffs, Joy's uh, parents just passed this last year, and they had this last uh, few months here, and they had a service uh, yesterday, and, and we got to hear story after story of, in essence, the legacy that Joy's parents left, uh, those who knew her, knew them, you know, in the family or friends or in the community. And so some of us say, you know, that's the kind of the thought is, you know, that's what life is about is if I can leave a really cool legacy where people will remember me for certain things. And, and so we can get focused on that. But even as Christians, we, we fall into some of that as well. We want to know, but it's usually couched in the question of, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And, and, and I've heard so many, I've said this before, but as a, as a youth pastor for 20 some years, so many teenagers I heard or, or young adults came to me and saying, you know, I just want to do something great for Jesus, right? Like that is the goal of their life. That's the focal point that that's what's going to, you know, make it so that their life is successful. That's their purpose, right? Is to do something great for Jesus. And, and again, that's, a, that's a not necessarily a horrible goal or a horrible thought, but you know, what is that about, right? What are we trying to do? And it's all usually about accomplishment, that I've got to somehow figure it out. I've got to accomplish something. Uh, and so we have to understand that the world has a lot of answers for what is our purpose. But God, in the beginning, God created. He was the one who created us. It is amazing sometimes to think how few actually go to our creator, go to their creator to find out what's the purpose. 
right? You know, th- this, is, this is how it's designed. This is how we're designed. God, God designed us purposefully. He designed us with a purpose. He designed us on purpose, right? And so if we want to know why we're here, if we want to understand what our purpose is, then we need to go to our creator and seek his answer. Genesis 1 tells us that we have been created in his image, right? And created in his image means certain things. We looked at that two weeks ago. It means that, you know, we have these things that we've been created, you know, intelligence and and, and free will and relationship. These are important things. But what is our purpose? God is the one who defines success. He's the one who defines what our role is in this world. He's the one who defines community. He's the one who defines our purpose. It's amazing how much money, how much of their parents' money that young adults spend to go to college in search of finding their purpose, in search of trying to figure out who they are and why they're in this world. It's amazing how much, they, uh, how much money they spend of their future earnings in order to figure that out at college. When in reality, when we understand that God is the one who's created us, we can find out our purpose and it won't cost us a dime. We can find out the goal of our life without spending 40,000 plus a year at a university. God who loves us, who created us, has a purpose for us. I want to start with uh, things that sometimes are seen as our purpose, but are just part of what God has given us. And we look at this in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 and following. I'll start with uh, just looking at Genesis uh, 2, uh, uh, 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. The first thing that we see, uh, the reason you will if, for God creating humanity is that he, we were given a responsibility. He created us to work the garden or to shorten it down a little bit. He created us to work. God has created us for the purpose of working his creation, of ruling his creation. In our, uh, in our reading this morning, we read in Genesis chapter 1, 27 and 28, where it talks about how we're supposed to rule over all of creation, over the, the fish and over the birds and over the animals and all the living creatures and over all of the plants and all of the fruit trees and all of those things that we are supposed to rule. And that ruling is about, it's a responsibility. Again, as we looked at last week in my Father's Day message, talking about the fact that when we are given authority, when we are given response, we're also given responsibility. We have been given authority over creation, which means that we have responsibility. Responsibility to care for creation, to improve it, to manage it, and to reap from it. This is what we've been created to do. We've been created to work. A lot of times, you know, we have this understanding of work, as, you know, especially as Americans, we live our lives, we spend our lives working hard so that we don't have to work someday, right? You know, that's the idea, that we can get out of working. But no, 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 God has ordained for us to be workers, 
Sometimes we think as Christians that work is because of the fall. No, toil is because of the fall. Work came before the fall. God has given us a job to do, and we all should be working. Matter of fact, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, it says, if you do not work, then you shall not eat. The point is, is that work is something that is ordained by God. It's something that we all need to spend time doing. So whether or not you are getting paid to work or not, if you're in that retirement, those sweet retirement ages, you still should be working. We have a job to do. And it's amazing, isn't it? Have you ever noticed, uh, maybe, maybe you have, and I hope you have, but have you ever noticed that you know, there is a lot of joy in work, even in a job that you don't like? I worked grocery for 17 years, right? I didn't really like grocery. It wasn't my life, you know, you know purpose. I was like, ooh, yay, that's what I want to do the rest of my life. No, it was not. But it was, I, I was, I'm amazed even today, I think back with fond memories of some of my experiences, you know, goofy things that I did, that you did like, you know, throwing Nerf balls down the aisle at, you know, customers or whoever, um, uh, coworkers usually, sometimes customers if I knew them, uh, you know, things like when I was working the dairy and a customer came by and they, re, you know, I'd be in the back in the cooler and, you know, one of the customers that I knew again would come and they'd grab, a, you know, a gallon of milk and I'd reach through and grab their hand and freak them out and it was awesome. You know, just fond memories, right? Or, or just getting, you know, checking off, I'm a list guy, you know, being able to check off the list at the end of the night, right? We're at Graveyard for six years, right? And I would love at the beginning of the night, walk through the store, make my list of all the things I had to do. And then by the night, at the end of the, and by the morning time, if everything was checked off, I was like, yeah, that's a good job right there, man. See you, the boss, you know, take it. You should give me a raise. Anyway, but um, so, you know, job, it's amazing. When we do a job and we do it well, right? There's just some, there's a satisfaction that there. And that's because God has ordained work. He, he's built us to be workers, but understand that work is not our purpose. It's our role that we play. We have a role to play in this creation that God has given us. But it's not our purpose. It's not the ultimate goal. It's not the thing that we're seek seeking, right? The, the most uh, to be able to accomplish, to be able to experience, to be able to enjoy. No, it, it's just a job, right? No matter what we do, even as a pastor, it's still just a job. I have to hold this job loosely because jobs change. There may be a time when I'm no longer a pastor. Maybe certainly in retirement age at some point where I won't be. But if, so if I get all of if I put my purpose, if I think my purpose is my job as a pastor, when I'm not a pastor, then what's my purpose? It's just kind of like it's gone, right? If I can't work, what am I supposed to do? Then if I can't do a job, if I can't, whatever, you know, what, what, what's my purpose? I might as well just, you know, end my life. Or I might as well just sit around and just kind of decay away because what's the point? No, no, jobs are not our purpose. They're just a role we play and they change all the time. But our purpose does not change. The second thing that we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that God gives us is in verse 18, then God, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper, helper fit for him. The next we see is that God has given us community. He recognized that it's not good for us to be just alone, that we, we need each other, that, that, that we need a community. And so he has given us a community, a community to bless a community to serve. We understand that, again, with this, that we, we have been called to pass on the blessings that God has given us. 
The the things that we experience with God, the things we understand about God are meant to be shared with others. They're meant to be passed on. It's supposed to be something that blesses the whole community. We've been called to pass on those blessings. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4 talks about, you know, to, to, to comfort others with the comfort, comfort that you have received yourself. This is the life that he has given us, that we have been created to live in community. And living in community, like I said a couple of weeks ago, means that we need to respect everyone. Understand that every human being was made on purpose and for a purpose. And that we need to understand that we need to seek to serve others. Philippians 2, 1 to 4, that this is our life, that our life would be uh, identified by these things, that we're serving others. Don't just look to your own needs, but look to the needs of others and seek to be able to meet those needs if you can. In essence, this is what we had with Joy's parents yesterday in celebration of how they served others, how they passed on what they had received from the Lord. May all of our lives be defined by that in some sense. May all of us be known for how we have taken what God has given us and shared it with others. May none of us be selfish. May none of us hold it in. We need to respect, we need to serve, but we also need to reproduce. And and I want to look at this. Oftentimes we think about be fruitful and multiply and we only apply that to offspring, right? To have kids. But I think that's that's certainly part of it. That, That God has given us this role in community of multiplying ourselves physically. Like, you know, we're going to have kids and that they're going to grow up and they're going to have kids. This is an amazing thing, right? That God has given us the ability to do. It's a beautiful thing that we can actually multiply ourselves But it's not just physical multiplication. It's also spiritual multiplication. Again, we are to pass on what we have learned, what we've experienced. We pass that on to someone else. So whether or not you have any biological kids, you are still tasked with this reality that you are to live in community. And part of living in community is reproducing yourself. Pouring your life into another life. Mentorship, apprenticeship, discipleship. These are the words that, we, we, that, that, that are conjured up with this concept of reproduction. That we would be looking for that younger individual in the Lord that we could spend time with. That we would allow the Lord to direct us to that individual and spend our life investing in them. It's one of the great joys of being a youth pastor is you got all these young people around you that you get this opportunity to invest in. It's oftentimes daunting and humbling. It's oftentimes we don't have enough. We don't know what to do, but that's good too because it drives us to the feet of Jesus. And as we're driven to the feet of Jesus, we learn something new. We get comforted again. And then with that, we can then pass it on to those we are in relationship with. So we have been given also by God community. But community is not our purpose. This is not the goal of our life is to be in community. We need to live in community. God's given us community. But it is for service, to bless, to pass on, to respect and, and, and to reproduce. But it is not our purpose. We can experience great friendships 
and great intimacy. Praise the Lord that I have my wife and that our relationship is so good and we enjoy each other's company so much that we love to be together. We love to experience life together. That is a sweet thing and that's a sweet aspect of this community that God has given to us. But that is not our purpose. It's not my purpose. It's not our purpose. Understand that this relationship could change it someday. At someday. Obviously, death is still in our future. Who knows when that'll come? Today, tomorrow, 20 years, 30 years from now? 50 years, right? We got a good 50 years left at least, yeah. So that relationship's going to end. So again, if this is the purpose, when that ends, what happens? What do I do with that? Yeah, I can still go into other community, but if this is the purpose, then wait, that's, that's, what are we going to do, right? And how many of us, matter of fact, have been burned in relationships? We know that humanity, other humans, they're not reliable. They're not faithful. And some of us are going to experience horrible pain because of a relationship that we've invested in. And then that friend, that person turned on us. Some of us have been so hurt, we refuse to enter any other, commun- any other community. Some of us have been hurt by the church that we won't go to certain churches or uh, any church at all because we've been burned by people. That's not our purpose. Community changes. Think about my wife and I and our moves. We moved from Ferndale, Washington to Richland, Washington. Left all of our friends. Left, left our family. Got to bring our kids because they were still little enough to go with us. (laughs) And then we left Richland and came here and then had to leave our kids as well. The community and the relationships we built, the sweet times that we had together, it changed. And now we have new sweet friendships that we get to be a part of. But these relationships are going to end someday. Relationships change but our purpose doesn't. Which leads me to the third point of, and final point, or fourth point and final point, fifth point, I don't know what point it is, whatever. The third point of my uh, kind of, you know, what, what God has given us, how God has created us. And that is that God has created us to worship. Verse 16 of chapter 2 of Genesis, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Again, I highlighted this two weeks ago. Humanity, the ones created in God's image, are the only ones that God speaks to. And why? Because he created us for intimate relationship with him. Created us to worship him. He is with us. Notice this is amazing. That God didn't create like at a distance. Right? God created us. I talked about two weeks ago again. He with his own hands. He formed us out of the dust of the earth. He breathed into our lungs the breath of life. That God knew us intimately, personally. That he was with us when he created us. We've been called and created by God to worship him. And worship looks like two things in my mind. First of all, glory. We worship God by glorifying him. 
And glorifying, glorifying him looks like, first of all, dependence. When we recognize that he created us. Right? It, 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 do we think about that ever? Right? That he's the one who created us. Don't you think maybe the one who created us, that you, you want to respect that one. That you would want to, like, you know, kind of honor that one. Like, thank you for creating me. Thank you for, for thinking of me. Thank you for not just creating me and throwing me away, but thank you for being with me. And so there's this dependence on God. That's what glorification looks like, that we go through our life constantly dependent on him. Not getting up and saying, okay, what can I accomplish today on my own power? What can I do on my own? How can I do it my own way? No, dependence on God means that every moment of every day, we are dependent on his power, his, his direction, his, his ability, his will to be done. We can't do it on our own. We need him. So we glorify God by being dependent, but we also glorify God by being obedient. That when he gives us a direction, we follow. One of the things that we're pointing out in Genesis is the grandness of God. If he is who he is, if he is so enormous, so uh, transcendent, so powerful, so all-knowing, if he has created all this entire galaxy and universe and everything, and we're just a little, little tiny pea, right? I mean, how, how can we not bow before him? Do whatever he calls us to. I mean, he knows. Why, why would we doubt him? Why do we always second guess him? When he clearly gives us a direction, how often do we hesitate? Like Peter jumping out of the boat. Ah, call me Jesus. And then he does it and we step out. And then when we see powerful things happening, we're walking on water. <laughs> and we still doubt. This is the human condition. But may we continue to remind ourselves that he is sovereign and that we would be obedient to him. And then finally, to glorify him, we need to show gratitude. Constantly giving thanks for who he is and what he's done. Especially in, in, rec in, in reference and understanding of our sin. That we don't deserve this. We don't deserve his, his presence. We don't deserve his, his notice. We don't deserve his blessing. We don't deserve his power. But that we would actually recognize that we have it. <laughs> and be thankful. To give him the praise. To be talking about him. Not ourselves. When something great happens, it's not I did it, it's he did it. When we accomplish something beautiful and powerful, it's not us that did it, it's he who did it. The next aspect of worship is to enjoy him. Not only do we glorify him, but we also enjoy him, which simply means that we're looking, looking for the blessing and accepting the blessings of God. Looking for and accepting the blessings of God. We have a God who is not only sovereign and all-powerful and all-knowing, but we have a God who is all-good. He has created us for blessing, not for curses. He wants, uh, he wants to shower us with gifts. And he has. He loves us deeply. And he has plans for us that are good. Plans for prospering. 
plans for beauty and wonder. And so we seek to enjoy Him. This is the way that we can worship Him. Enjoying what we have. And when we enjoy Him, we enjoy that through our intimate relationship with Him. And through the blessings of the community that He's given us. And through the blessings of the role that He's given us, the jobs to do. This church is our real purpose. Our real purpose is an intimate, loving relationship with our Creator. That's our purpose. That's the goal of our life. That's the point. That's what we need to look for and strive for. And the beauty is that the moment we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we are successful. That purpose is fulfilled. We get reconciled with our Creator. Total reconciliation. We get it all. Total intimacy with God. Total righteousness with God. We get it, we get it all, except for we're only lacking enjoying it. Experiencing it. And so this is the life that we live, is continually looking for more, to enjoy it more, to understand it and know Him more. I'm amazed at how many Christians are satisfied with what they have in their relationship with God. I'm amazed at how many are just like, you know, I'm kind of content. It's okay where I'm at. This is good. I've got enough. And some of them have very little. Of course, on the other side, there's many of us as Christians who think, well, I don't deserve more. So I'm just going to be satisfied with this little, you know, mud pie that I have to eat. No. We have a good God who loves us and desires and has made a way for intimacy with him. May we never be satisfied. May we never be content. There's always more. If you are not experiencing the fullness of God and the Holy Spirit in you, then there's more. We will not experience the fullness of it until we get to heaven. However, it's amazing what we can experience if we just simply continue to seek it. Think about the stories in Scripture. The Red Sea parted. Think about the healings that happened. Again, we talked about the walking on the water. Think about the amazing things that we can experience and enjoy in this world if we continue to seek Jesus. Continue to seek that relationship. Matthew 6.33 talks about this reality, this whole list of things. You know, the world is worrying about clothes and food and drink and all this kind of stuff. And at the end of this, Jesus says to him, don't worry about that stuff. Just seek first the kingdom and you get all of that plus a whole lot more. And this is what we need to seek. Church, do not be satisfied with the amount of relationship you have with God. Look for more. And looking for more, again, is not something we strive for. It's something that he brings about in us when we simply become dependent and obedient and gra- gra- gracious, gra- have gratitude for what he's done for us. When we glorify him, then we enjoy him. All right, worship team, come on up. We'll close with a quote this, this morning. A quote from my, one of my, probably my favorite book. And many of you, uh, I shared this a lot when I first got here uh, four years ago. But those who are maybe newer to the church, maybe you haven't heard me talk about this book. Uh, but it's a book that about mm, almost nine, ten years ago now I read, I think, for the first time. And it really just kind of, it, it put words to what I felt was stirring in my heart 
Um, you know how that happens sometimes? You know, you just have these things that are going on in your mind and your heart. And you're like, just feel like there's something going on, but you can't, don't know how to express it. And then you pick up a book and you're like, oh my gosh, there it is. That's, that's it. Um, and that book, the title is uh, With, W-I-T-H. Uh, and the, the author is Sky Jathani. And um, anyway, it's a great book about uh, our postures with God and the kind of relationship that we have with Jesus. And the point is that there's a, four different ways we can do it. I won't get into the different ways, but the point is those four ways, uh, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're scriptural to a, par- to a point, but they're also a little bit skewed. They're a little bit off. And so actually what God has called us to is a relationship that is with him. And so that's why the word with, and he defines what that is. But I want to give a quote because it's a good summation, maybe of uh, my point here about the fact that God has created us for relationship, that that's the real purpose of life. And, uh, and so I'll read this quote in closing, and then we'll close, uh, we'll have a song, and then uh, I'll come back with a passage to finish things off. So the quote from with, the life with God posture is predicated on the view that relationship is at the core of the cosmos. God the Father, with God the Son, with God the Holy Spirit. And so we should not be surprised to discover that when God desired to restore his broken relationship with people, he sent his Son to dwell with us. His plan to restore his creation was not to send a list of rules and rituals to follow, nor was it the implementation of useful principles. He did not send a genie to grant us our desires, nor did he give us a task to accomplish. Instead, God himself came to be with us, to walk with us once again, as he had done in Eden at the beginning of time. Father, we uh, thank you so much for uh, this morning. We thank you for being a God who created and specifically created us, created us different from the rest of creation. We've been created in your image, which means that we've been created for relationship with you, that you, Father, Son, and Spirit have always been and always will be a relational being, and that you created to include us in that relationship. So Lord, I just thank you for that purpose. I, I, I pray that that would continue to be what we're focused on as our purpose. Because it doesn't matter if we have a job or are capable to, to do a job or not, or if we're retired or whatever it is, we still will always have the ability to be in relationship with you. It doesn't matter the community that we're in. Sometimes that's going to change and, and be different. Sometimes uh, th- you know, people are going to leave us. People are going to stab us in the back. There's going to be times when community is difficult, but that's not our purpose. Our purpose is intimate relationship with you, the one who never changes, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that, Lord, you are constantly in communication with us, wanting us to be with you to experience life with you, to enjoy all the amazing blessings that you have for us. Lord, may we come to seek you more and more each day, never being satisfied with what we have, but always wanting a little bit more of you. Jeremiah 31, 33, 31 actually to 35, 34 actually. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, 
when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless church. Thanks. Good. Have a great day.